I got a new plant recently. It's a Zamiococcus zamifolia, which is a mouthful, so people call it a ZZ plant. And in the spirit of our podcast, I kind of want to name it Zephira. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How many plants does that bring you up to? I lost count. It's around 80. Oh, God. (laughs) And it's not that I think you have a problem. It's that I actually have a problem. It's it's just a fact. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Midlight Crisis, a real podcast hosted by three grown-up biologists revisiting books from our teens, and it's totally cool. I am one of your hosts, I'm Sophie, but for the purposes of today's episode, I have a randomly generated fantasy name, (laughs) and (laughs) I made it and then forgot it, and then I'm looking at it again, and it's so good. (laughs) Okay. My name is Edoop Lily Chipper. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Edoop? It might be a dupe. A (laughs) dupe. I like it. A dupe. Yeah. Okay. It's spelled E D O O P. A dupe. A dupe. A dupe. A dupe is a character in a children's song who lives in a swamp. Oh, ah, that's even more. Perfect. It's even better, more accurate. Uh, my for everyone who isn't the other people on this podcast. Uh, in the D and D group, the game we play together, I play an ogre from a swamp. <laughs> I guess an orc. <laughs> yeah. But Edupe is like if you made Bayaga kid friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And she's definitely in a song. Like an itsy bitsy spider style song about Edupe Lily Tripper. Wait. <laughs> Not a real one, right? <laughs> no. No, okay. sorry. Okay. I was like, wait, an actual one? <laughs> wait, hold on. Oh yeah. No, okay. I thought we yeah. were being serious for a minute. <laughs> Okay, oh. so this is a made-up right. one. Gotcha. In new fantasy nursery rhymes. Edupe yes. Lily Chipper. Okay, got it. Understood. Yeah. What about you guys? Oh, man. Well, I don't know if I can top that, but my name is Sam. But today you can call me Zacho Heist Dodger. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Heist Dodger? <laughs> yup. <laughs> Uh, everyone Zacko. keeps trying to everyone keeps trying to get you in on heists, and you're like, nah, nope. <laughs> not for me. Oh man, but like, if I were in a fantasy book, being part of a heist, that'd be cool. That'd be scary. Just like I have no, no interest in that. I am far too anxious. Yeah, yeah. You, have, you have to dodge them all. Uh-huh. You're gonna dodge them all. <laughs> Gotta yeah. dodge them all. The heists just keep coming for you, and you're like, not today. It's like, nope. <laughs> Goodbye. This is like reminding me of something I've read before, but I cannot think of it. I had that same thought. It's like the character that they try to rope into a bunch of things and then like never does. He always refuses. And then ultimately something so terrible happens that they like have to take part in it. It's probably just like a fantasy trope, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. All I can think about is Lies of Lachlamora now. So uh, moving on. (laughs) Oh, don't, I haven't read it yet. (laughs) I know. (laughs) 
And I am Hannah, but for the purposes of this podcast, you can call me Cusib Housekeeper. Oh, Cusib. <laughs> Cusib Housekeeper. All right. I I, mean, that's funny that you got just like a thing. Yeah. Housekeeper. It's just, it's just like a legit thing. <laughs> that's just the title of a thing that people yep. can be. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, congrats. Thanks. <laughs> you did it. I did I it. I mean, I've, I've seen that before in books where your last name is just like your job. Isn't yeah. That a thing? yeah. Well, that's like an actual thing. That's where a yeah, lot of Yeah. I was like, like, isn't that an actual English thing in history? Thing. That's why there's so many Smiths and Millers yeah. and Porters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, congrats, Hannah. You have a new uh, <laughs> job, I guess. <laughs> oh, so happy for you. But I hate cleaning. <laughs> I know. That's why I think it's really funny. <laughs> Damn it. Well, um, while you ponder that, maybe uh-huh. Sam can tell us what happened in the first of the two Aragon chapters we read this week. Oh, man. I mean, the Doom of Innocence really just took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. Nothing <laughs> happened that I predicted at all. <laughs> and Aragon and Sephira, as expected, make their way back to the house after a night of rest only to find that the air quote strangers beat them there and Garo is in life-threatening condition. Though, by the description that Pellini gives, like, he def sounds like he's, like, already dead. But, yeah, yep. <laughs> alas, it was very vivid. I was just like, this is a children's book! Well, anyways. <laughs> Aragon then makes Saphira fly them to Car- Carva- Carvahel. Car- Caravel that thing that city carva hall there we go nailed it (laughs) first try (laughs) where then aragon is forced to drag arrow until he sees brom running towards him and then he blocks out um and then that's where hannah takes over yes in death watch which is like a hardcore name yeah Aragon has a dream about elves and dragons, which is surely not a foreshadowing plot device in the slightest. He wakes up two days after the or after finding Garrow in the house in the hut of Gertrude, the town healer, and immediately strong arms his way into visiting Garrow at Horst's house. Horst's house, yes. Um, <laughs> Garrow's <laughs> injuries are not healing. And Aragon's story of what happened at the farm doesn't really add up with what the townsfolk found there. Hmm, suspicious. Mm. Is his story sus. falling apart? Sus. Super sus. <laughs> Super sus. Uh, we'll find out later, I guess, because before we resolve that, Safira has to close out the chapter by waxing poetic about a buck that she caught and ate in the woods. <laughs> it was Very so important. poetic. So it was it was a lot for like a three month old for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like so weird because these chapters, the titles are just like so much more dramatic mm-hmm. than the contents actually require. <laughs> like yeah. I because I was I was going back over like previous chapter titles and it seems like some of them are kind of chill. Like you have a Miller to be or T for two, uh-huh. but then you have a name of power. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, this chapter doom of innocence, like you could, 
Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's too dramatic for what happened. I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, I understand we're supposed to infer that the house being destroyed and Garrow being on deathbed is like the doom of Aragon's innocence. But at the same time, like, it just, it doesn't, I, I feel like it needs something else. Like, the doom of innocence is like, it makes it feel like, I don't know, like something more dramatic, even though I guess it's pretty dramatic, but we all guessed it was going to happen. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I'm talking myself in a circle here. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like for a title like that, we we needed more like internal strife from Aragon. Yes. Yeah, that's it. To actually feel like he was contemplating his own innocence, I guess, or like... Yeah, like I, I was sort of expecting a scene of like Aragon finding Garrow and having like a, a dramatic internal chaos, but he kind of like is dismayed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, I have to go deal with this, which like fair, but... Uh-huh. Very pragmatic. That's our boy. Very pragmatic. (laughs) I feel like this kind of scene in a lot of other media, the thing that really makes it punchy is getting like a very up close, raw view of the person's guilt. Yeah. Because Aragon should be feeling like I was gone. And because I'm gone, my uncle might die. My home is destroyed. Like my cousin doesn't have anywhere to come back to when he's done in Theron's board. Yeah. And, like, for me, at least, that's the thing that, like, really gets me is getting in the head of the character who thinks that it's their fault that something absolutely horrific has happened to people they love. Yeah. And yeah. we don't really get that in Aragon's head. No, yeah. Not at all. No. Like, I'll be interested to see if, like, later in the book we get more thoughts. But right now we're really just getting what he is saying verbally. Mm-hmm out loud or what he's saying to Safira. Like we don't get thoughts really. Yeah. Anyway. The story is so far seems very events focused. Yeah. And it's like this happened and it was like this and then this happened. And it's not like, okay, but like what is the impact of this happening? Why do we yeah. care that this is happening? Yeah. Why do we care about the characters that this is happening to? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, he hasn't done a lot of the legwork yet to make you really feel for Aragon or feel like Aragon is suffering and you're suffering with him. Yeah, especially because, like, I I felt that way with whenever Safira talked here because she talks like a fully realized adult. Yes. And, like, I don't... There was, like, we're reading this book so slowly... We should have seen the progression that had happened up to this point in like minute detail because we're reading like we're overanalyzing every word. <laughs> but I was like, where did this person come from? Like Safira as a person. Mm-hmm. She's just here now. <laughs> she just came from the egg as a saucy little dragon. She did. A yeah. And it, it feels like she and Aragon already have like a significant relationship that I'm like, when did this happen? Like they haven't talked to each other. No. Yeah. Yeah. Paulini like really describes Safira's physical progression, but it does. Yeah. He doesn't talk at all about her like mental maturation or emotional development or that relationship with Aragon. Yeah. You just have to kind of infer that that happened. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 
uh, circling back to, oh my God, I've been working in an office too long. Circling back to the chapter title discussion. Mm, yeah. um, <laughs> the fact that they're called such like epic dramatic things like the Doom of Innocence and Death Watch. That yeah. is 100% what I would have done when I was 15. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, spot on. I would have been like, yeah, Death Watch, that's so cool, like, so epic. Yep. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> I, I can exactly imagine his mindset in coming up with these chapter titles as a teenager. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and being a teenage boy and lacking the character development and emotional development of a female dragon... Sounds about <laughs> spot on. Fair, yes. Yeah. Just, just, just putting that out there. Yep. Yeah, for because I was, I was looking at Flight of Destiny, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, I feel like just like if you just left it at Flight, like that yeah. would have been like you know kind of punchy, like low key, just like it's what's happening and it's you know double meaning. <laughs> yeah, it has a cool double meaning there. That would be right? so good. And then I was like, yeah, but what sounds cooler? Flight of Destiny, definitely. Flight of Destiny! <laughs> sounds like a Digimon attack. <laughs> I was about to say, I said that in my Angemon voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there was a really important moment at the very beginning of the Doom of Innocence. Mm-hmm. When Aragon first wakes up. Because he sees Saphira's rows of teeth. Yay! <laughs> oh, plural, <laughs> plural. Yep. So I, is she a shark? <laughs> I noticed oh, that too. <laughs> yeah. I did not notice that. Oh, oops. I just assumed it was like your her top, top and row bottom, and bottom row. Yeah. I mean, it could be, but that's not it what he be. said. Yeah. Precision of language is important. If there's anything I learned from yeah. reading The Giver. <laughs> Yeah, oh because it says, <laughs> yeah, it's like she yawned flashing rows of white teeth. So it seems like you can only see them when she opens her mouth, which implies mm-hmm. like a shark, they're inside the like outer teeth. That's what yeah. I think. Do you want to describe real quick what a shark's teeth look like for people? No, go who... ahead. That's about as far as I got. <laughs> okay. For anybody who uh, doesn't pay as much attention to sharks as we do as three former aquarium biologists. Sharks all have replaceable teeth. They can lose their teeth at a rate of like a one a week and they grow back. They're continuously cycling through all of these teeth. You can often see up to like three to, uh, in some species, seven sets of teeth, specifically referred to as series, I learned. Um, A series of teeth that all kind of line up towards the one place, but they're like formed kind of loosely in the gum tissue as opposed to actually like within the structure of the jaw. And when one tooth falls out, another one just kind of shifts forward, takes its place, and they cycle through all these teeth. So when a shark opens its mouth, you can see, like, the functional row of teeth at the front, and then you can also see all of these other teeth waiting to cycle forwards. And it's very cool and kind of intimidating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They lose their teeth, like, all over the place, which is interesting if Saphira is trying to be discreet about her presence. Yeah, right? Just, like, teeth everywhere. Yeah. I do want to say the best extinct shark is this one called Helicoprion. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) It essentially, like, they've only found the lower jaw of it because really in sharks you only get, like, fossilized. Like, the jaws only fossilize really well because sharks are mostly cartilage. Mm -hmm. But they have, like, only the lower jaw. 
and it like instead of having the rows of teeth down the inside of the jaw they like are reversed and they create this swirl of teeth in like a spiral outside of their mouth and the ones that like the thickest part of the spiral are the ones that they use and then they just like curl down over their chin yeah it's a wild time it's so (laughs) weird i can't even conceive of how that worked yep (laughs) i mean i guess it didn't work that well because current sharks are alive and that one is not wow rude (laughs) (laughs) am i wrong (laughs) i guess not she's not wrong i'm not wrong. i guess not But yeah, this implies that Safira has teeth like a shark, which also therefore kind of implies that she has to be able to use her teeth very aggressively. Like a lot of a lot of mammals, perhaps all mammals, I don't actually know for sure, but I feel like most mammals, at least most other vertebrates only have a set number of teeth. And you get animals like rodents or uh, langomorphs, I think, like rabbits Mm -hmm. and hares where their teeth will grow continuously and have to be worn down. But if you lose that teeth, that tooth, it doesn't come back. Yeah. Whereas sharks kind of go in the opposite direction. And if you lose a tooth, no big deal. But it implies that Sufira has to be able to use her teeth recklessly. Yeah. Which is interesting. So would that go with like the serrated claws thing maybe as like a magically enforced evolutionary choice to make her more capable for fighting because she's always going to have sharp teeth they're never going to wear down yeah or maybe. would it be yeah that dragons historically hunt just with their teeth and presumably hunt something fairly difficult to grasp or difficult to catch or like hard-bodied or something that would wear down their teeth quickly because it could be either of those yeah i like the first like i feel like the first I don't know. It would make sense that it would be an evolutionary advantage if something like that has made it this far in sharks. Why not mm-hmm. in other, well, I was going to say tetrapods, but. <laughs> a Other pods. Other, other pods. Um, other vertebrates, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like, is there, is there examples of land-based predators that have that i don't think so i can't think of any but that doesn't no. mean it doesn't exist i don't think yeah. so but there is a species of reptile that has two rows of teeth okay, okay. the tuatara from new zealand oh. oh they're like a weird species because they're the only species left alive in their lineage so oh. it like the whole hmm. the rest of the order is extinct so like they're very unique <laughs> they basically like originated in the triassic period yeah okay. but they, they have two rows of teeth on their top jaw and then a single row on the bottom and it like they interlock kind of thing like the bottom one goes in between the top two that is cool. interesting yeah so it could be something like that yeah. yeah. Maybe it's not like infinite rows of teeth. Maybe it's just like two or three. <laughs> Maybe. Uh-huh. Well, I just Googled it. Uh-huh. And apparently the phenomenon of having teeth that are continually replaced is called polyphodont po- ooh, polyphyodont. Cool. Ism, I assume. A yeah. polyphyodont is an animal whose teeth are continually replaced. 
And this very short but very helpful Wikipedia page <laughs> lists many reptiles such as crocodiles and geckos, most toothfishes, and manatees, elephants, and kangaroos. Oh. Oh. Which I would Ele- not have guessed if you had asked well, me. Well, oh. don't elephants' teeth, aren't they, they're not just continually growing also? I guess not. Yeah. It, I don't know. It. This just says... Elephants are unusual among mammals because they are polyphyodonts. Interesting. But is mm-hmm. there a difference in continually growing? Like it's the same teeth that just get worn down, but they keep growing. And then what's seen in sharks with like having multiple rows of teeth and like brand new teeth growing? Yeah. So the sharks would be the polyphyodonts as well. I yeah. D- let me just see what the word is for teeth that grow <laughs> continuously. We do our research before the show. I didn't even here. think of this as a thing. So like, <laughs> I just wrote it down. <laughs> I did some research, but not this. Yeah. <laughs> the problem was we don't discuss the specific points we're going to hit because no. it's sometimes fun to surprise each other. Okay. There doesn't seem to be, on a quick Google, there does not seem to be a word specifically for teeth that grow continuously. Cool. But lots Fair. of them do that. Love it. So, yeah. Anyway, I thought that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Maybe we'll uh, we'll get a moment where Safira loses a tooth and we'll get some more detail. Yes. Well, if, if she has teeth like sharks, uh, the shape of... Oh, this is a lot of S sounds together. The shape of a shark's tooth <laughs> is indicative of their diet and feeding habits. So if mm-hmm. we get a description of Safira's teeth, we can figure out like what she eats, which we kind of know already, but we can compare her to a shark and see what she would eat if she was aquatic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a so bunch of sharks... Fun. We're biologists. This is fun. <laughs> this is fun for us. This is how we spend our time. It's Friday night and I'm having a great time talking about dragon teeth. <laughs> uh, a lot of sharks have serrated teeth, though. <laughs> And she super doesn't. She has serrated claws, which still makes no sense. Okay. Speaking of the serrated claws. Oh. I have an important moment. Okay. So Aragon finds his uncle, Garrow, and then Safira flies Garrow back to the village, or part of the way. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment where Aragon says he has Safira pierce a hole with a claw in the board. Like, okay, if her claws were not serrated, (laughs) maybe that would be a good thing. (laughs) But, like, it's a board of wood. You try and shove a serrated knife through a board of wood, you're going to f*** up that board. Yep. (laughs) Like, like if she had regular claws, sure, I'd believe it. (laughs) Maybe some of her claws are serrated and some aren't. Oh, but why would some be serrated? Yeah. What would know. be what would be the advantage of having like one serrated index claw? Yeah. For slicing your food and grooming your skills. Uh, she eats it. She eats it all. Uh sl- for cutting your enemy. Maybe she's like a velociraptor, but instead of one like really curved toe, finger, nail, yeah. nail, claw. <laughs> Jesus claw. Christ. Instead of one really long claw, she just has one serrated claw. Yeah. 
for cutting through the mail of her writer's enemies on the battlefield? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Sure thing. I don't believe this, but apparently... (laughs) But you said it. (laughs) I feel like he just made her claws serrated because it was cool. Serrated claws. So cool. It's so cool. It doesn't have to make sense because it's cool. Yeah, but that's why we're here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pull you out when it doesn't make sense. Exactly. We're we're here to come in and be like, well, actually, the physiology of this dragon (laughs) is not consistent. (laughs) One day I'm going to write a book and someone's going to do this to my book and I'm going to be like, fuck you guys. Me and Hannah are going to do it to your book. No. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be like, I hate this, actually. Cancel the podcast. <laughs> yeah, stop. Yeah. This is one of many reasons why I hope the authors of our books never listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I swear we do actually like the books we read, or at least we liked them when we started. Well, yeah, we liked them when we were teens. Yeah. Well, that's for sure. We really liked Twilight Sam, when we were teens. Yeah, Sam. don't sit there and tell me you didn't like Twilight when you were a teen, <laughs> Mrs. Edward Cullen. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> don't like them as an adult that's no. fair there was another interesting moment like at that same point where he's talking about like her punching a hole in the board that was just interesting to me because like it was very not cavalier with Saphira's biology I sort of expected him because Saphira set, like presents him with the thought that maybe Garrow could be like hanging under her while she flies with him Mm-hmm. And so I sort of expected him to be like, oh, and she grabbed the board or Garrow in her like front claws and carried yeah. him, mm-hmm. um, which last time we mentioned like the serrations, <laughs> no fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like he specifically says that Aragon like ties the board to her front legs, not that she's holding it. Yeah. Which makes me think that she like doesn't have that function out. Like she doesn't have hands. She has, oh. like, paws. I definitely thought of it as, like, a grip strength kind of thing. <laughs> like, she just wouldn't oh, maybe. be strong enough to hold on to it for that long. Because, like, like, if she doesn't have... We talked about this also. But if she doesn't mm-hmm. have, like, the claw facing back... Right. Then she effectively doesn't have a thumb. Yeah. And wouldn't really yeah. be able to hold things. True. I can't imagine she has a thumb. Right? Like, that, for some reason, that doesn't drive with me. No. Yeah, and and it's also that, especially, so, like, even if she does have the sort of claws front and back, sort of like a perching bird or something, Mm -hmm. you need, like, specific design of your quote-unquote wrists to be able to, like, turn your claws or your hands, like, inward. Like, the way Mm. humans can be, like, palm up or palm down. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, not a lot of things can do that. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. Like, dogs can't really do that, but cats can because they use their claws to, like, grab. <laughs> right. I'm imagining doing that with my feet now, and it's kind of horrible. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, like, it'll be interesting to see if he keeps to that. Like, can Saphira, like, supinate <laughs> and pronate <laughs> her wrists? Uh-huh. So. They talk about that a lot in dinosaurs. That's why I know the words. Ah. Yes. <laughs> I just saw the like redux of your tweet screaming about supinating 
Yeah. Theropod arms. <laughs> yeah, because theropods wouldn't have had their hands like facing down like they show in all the movies. They would be facing inward as though they're clapping. Right. Can oh. you real quick uh, give us a definition of pr- pronate versus supinate? Yeah. Um, the, the way to remember it is supinate is as if you're holding a bowl of soup. Oh. Okay, so they face in. So they face up and in, and down? pronate is down, yeah. Okay. Soup. Soup. <laughs> That's a good way to Very remember it. That's a good way, yeah. I'm making yeah. that gesture now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Supinated. You're assuming that Sephira has pronated? Yeah. Paws? Feet? Yeah. Yeah. What's a paw called on a lizard? I guess just a foot? Yeah. Lizard um. paws? <laughs> <laughs> lizard paws. Aww. You know those lizard Aww. paws? Oh, I love it. It's cute. What makes something a paw and not a foot? Hmm. They're cute. This is- <laughs> it's cute. It, has- <laughs> it has fur on it. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> That's why tarantulas have paws. Right. Because they cute. got those fuzzy legs. Yeah. And that's why anyway. fish don't have paws. No other yeah. reason. They're not cute. They're fins. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have fuzzy little feet. Yeah. They just don't have feet at all. I will anyway. fight to the death to anyone who tells me that a wolf eel is not adorable. They're they cute, cute, but they don't, they have don't paws. got little paws. <laughs> Doesn't mean that they're not cute. No. I agree. <laughs> what were we talking about? I don't I remember. Have no <laughs> idea. Okay. Absolutely no clue. Okay, so at the beginning of Death Watch. Aragorn has like a dream. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Aragorn dreams the end of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like he wakes up and he's like, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> the movie won't come out for another couple of years. Right? It's like a bunch of people get, like, it's a bunch of elves getting on a boat to go to the faraway land or whatever oh the hell, god. right? Yeah. And someone stays behind and his name is Sam. <laughs> and he's <laughs> the photo left. Well. Oh no! What right? How does how do the dragons fit in? That's the eagles. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. Tolkien doesn't really have. Oh, I know he's got small. I forgot he was small. Oh yeah, he does have a dragon. Yeah. He got worms. Worms. Smaug. Smaug. Oh my Smaug. god. That's one of those names that just sounds so bad in our accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like untenable. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. It's fun to read, not fun to say out loud. No. <sighs> the worst. I was kind of assuming that this was like some kind of egg memory of Sephira's. I don't know why I assumed that. That's also what I assumed. Okay. We know elves had her yeah. from the prologue. Yeah. And if we're <laughs> if we're taking my assumption that she's aware of what's going on outside of her egg as canon before it gets confirmed that she would have been aware of like whatever the elves were doing before they ended up in the spine or not in the spine i guess yeah before they ended up getting chased by a shade through the woods Mm -hmm. like for some reason i assumed because like it's a bunch of people get on a boat and then there's a guy who's left behind who makes a sad sound and then there's dragons in the air it's like for some it's hard because i read this book so anything yeah. that I'm like, oh, I'm getting this vibe. That it could actually yeah. be that that's what I'm remembering. But like, I feel like it's Aragon, the original one. 
That's oh. what I thought. I thought he was having, like, a flashback to, like, yeah. OG Aragon, and, like, somehow yeah. they're connected, so he was having, like, a flashback. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, just I guess think... we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking one of the people was Arya, who we haven't met yet, but she comes in. Is she mm-hmm. an elf? She's an elf. Is she like, the love uh, I remember she's an elf lady. Maybe. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a romantic subplot? <sighs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we keep Sam on board, Hannah. <laughs> oh, true. One of the few things I remember about this romantic subplot is that it pissed me off as a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So, like, just like it will today. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not looking forward to seeing it again, especially now that I'm not 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, we'll find like... out who was in this vision dream, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. I like when people describe, like, here in this vision, he describes them as being on proud horses. Oh, yeah. And whenever people, like, describe horses as, like, proud, <laughs> just like, uh, horses are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that is, like, shorthand for you're supposed to imagine them doing that thing where they, like, arch their neck and have their head facing or pointed yeah. straight down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very proud. I just, yeah, literally yesterday, a friend of mine from high school is a farmer and she posted on Facebook yesterday about her horse who like ran to say hello to her, tripped, like did a full front flip and then got back onto his feet because she had food and Aww. just like barreled into her. And I was like, yeah, proud horses. I love that energy. I respect that horse energy. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, horses so graceful yeah anyway <laughs> so what what is the most proud animal my immediate instinct was cat because they don't want yeah. you to see them being stupid ever even yeah. though they always are i was gonna say lion oh yeah yeah but, which is also just a cat <laughs> just a yep. big cat or like an owl maybe some kind of like bird of prey yeah i was gonna say just like any male bird Oh, yes. Yeah. They're very full of themselves, aren't they? Yeah. (laughs) Just a lot of shouting. (laughs) A lot of strutting around. Just like, look how great I am. Look how great I am. Come have a baby with with me. me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That would be my vote. You know that uh, bird of paradise that it's like mating display? Is it? turns into like a neon blue smiley face and yeah. dances around and clicks. Yeah. So proud. <laughs> so proud. <laughs> I mean you gotta have all kinds of confidence to That's pull that true. off. <laughs> yeah. 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 If someone tried to do that to me, if they were able to pull it off, I'd be like, damn. That's one yeah. respectable <laughs> bird fellow. <laughs> yeah. Just really going all out. Just really going for it. Speaking of birds. Uh Uh-huh. I kind of want to talk about the dragon's wings again. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Just because um, right at the beginning of the first chapter, Aragon mentions, like, the membrane of the wing Mm -hmm. that is, like, being a tent for him. Because, like, what's up with dragon wings? (laughs) Yep. Previously, he had described the wings as, like, ribbed with 
thin fingers of bone that extended from the wing's front edge, forming a line of widely spaced talons. And so there are like two groups that have like membranous wings, which we've kind of talked about, right? Pterosaurs and then bats. Mm -hmm. I like didn't know this. For some reason, my brain just auto filled that bats have claws on all of their fingers on their wings, but they don't. <laughs> it's just the outer one, isn't it? Or yeah, yeah, they have like a wrist claw, sort of. Yeah, so like they have the one at like the peak there, mm-hmm. yeah. which you always see in like gargoyles or whatever. Yeah, uh-huh. the thumb claw. Some species, the like flying foxes, have like the first claw. The first finger also has a claw on it. But other than that, like, bats don't have claws on the end. So we can confirm. Saphira's not a bat. Okay. (laughs) Chuck that one off. Although, there was um, an extinct bat that did have claws on all of its little fingers. I almost said all of its little fingies. (laughs) (laughs) All of its little fingies. (laughs) I wish you did. Uh, so grown up biologists, little fingies, a technical little, term. Little fingies. <laughs> Guys, I stare at baby fish all day. Like, come on. Fingies. Do they have fingies? <laughs> no, they have little bitty finnies. Aww. Tiny. Tiny. So, actually, Sphere could be an extinct bat. <laughs> Good. Uh, better than a moth. <laughs> better than a moth. We're still not True. ruling that out. I uh-huh. hate moths. Why does it always have to be moths? Always moths. <laughs> At least it's, it's always... not parasites. Everything's yet. a parasite. No, it, not you yet. know what's the worst thing in the world? A parasitic moth. And I'm yeah. sure that exists. Yeah. Sure oh. They're vampires. <laughs> I feel that way about parasitic wasps. The phrase parasitic wasps sends a tingle down my spine and a lisp through my tongue. No. <laughs> it's all bad. Just the worst. <laughs> they just got those very long like ovipositors that I just Ugh. hate <laughs> not a fan of those why just anyway ovaposit somewhere else <laughs> ovaposit out of here uh, oh yeah I did also want to confirm that with this we also know that the dragons are not pterosaurs because pterosaur wings unlike bats which are like the, the fingies <laughs> the fingies <laughs> all of them uh-huh. Pterosaurs, it's only the last finger. Okay. So they fly on like the last finger and all the other fingers are still like a hand. Oh. Kind of thing. So they walk okay. on the thumb and first three fingers, and then the wing is the fourth finger. Oh, so okay. they don't have little fingies out through the membrane. Oh. Little fingies. Yeah, unfortunately. Dragon is not a pterosaur. So so far the dragon is most likely an extinct bat. Yeah. Okay. Like or, based on the uh-huh. egg, a nematode. <laughs> oh, see. <laughs> uh-huh. okay. Anyway, before we get into that, I realized that because Saphira takes Aragon into the spine uh, to the specific place where he found her egg, which is interesting, and then when they are going to fly back to Carvajal, it says that they reach it the same day in, quote, early afternoon, which means I'm pretty sure in one of the earlier chapters, 
we get like some sense of the distance that Aragon's home is from where he found the egg in the spine. Yeah. So I think we could math Saphira's maximum flight speed. Because she's like working pretty hard. I didn't do it <laughs> because I thought about it for like two minutes and decided I didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we could. So that's fun. AKA yeah. Sophie can. <laughs> yeah, look out for that in a future episode where I have more f***s to give for math. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I do think it's interesting that in this, in the, which chapter is that one? Oh, the Doom of Innocence. In the Doom <laughs> of Innocence. And then also in Death Watch, we are able to get like kind of a sense of Saphira's maximum flight speed and like maximum carrying capacity at this stage in her development. Because she, like, really, really struggles carrying both Aragon and Garrow. Like, she seems yeah. to be fine with just Aragon, but she can't even make it all the way to town carrying the two of them. And they set down a league outside of Carvajal, which, for those who have forgotten, is five and a half kilometers. And Aragon <laughs> freaking drags Garrow on his pallet almost all the <laughs> way to town on his, like, <laughs> shredded sandpaper legs. <laughs> Five and a half kilometers. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> so I wouldn't far. do that. Nope. He must have the wildest infection. If he has no right? skin on his legs yeah. and he's like sleeping in the dirt and like tramping on the road in dirty clothes and digging through his burned and destroyed house, like yeah. all sorts of stuff is going to get in there. Skin is really important for protecting you uh, from infection. Yeah, also, like, what's even on Safira? We don't know. She's been murdering yeah, oh animals God. all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Does she but... clean herself? <laughs> yeah, how does she bathe? Oh, God. Just okay, shed. Also... She, she sheds her skin? Uh, oh, she must. Uh, uh. Do crocodiles or crocodilians do that? This oh. might be for another time. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll get to that later. I don't I don't remember if he hurt his legs beyond like the thigh chafing thing, but I was like, he made a crutch. And I was just yeah. like, my dude, a crutch is not going to help you. Yeah. I <laughs> like, was wondering about that too. It's like even if it's helping you walk, you're still gonna be like, oh my god, it just it makes me cringe just thinking about it. Because I've had leg chafing and it's the worst. And it's like yeah. too bad. Just a well, I can't even say it. Why did he make a crutch? I <laughs> like, yeah. literally don't know. I'm like no assuming use. he has basically road rash on the <sighs> inside of his legs. Awful. Which is horrific and I never ever want to experience. Yeah. But like, I am astounded <laughs> that he is not like in the throes of a horrific infection. Yeah. It. You know, it could be coming. It's only been like 12 hours. <laughs> That's, no, I he, have a feeling he wakes up two coming. days later in Gertrude's hut, so it's been oh, at least yeah. forty-eight hours, right. plus the evening that he slept in the dirt under Safira. That's a good point. Maybe Safira's skin has like magic healing bacteria magic instead of deadly yeah. skin eating bacteria. Yeah, maybe this is part of the like physical changes that come with being a dragon rider. Like maybe it makes oh. you heal faster. Maybe. We haven't seen anything to suggest that yet, but... That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. That could be a thing. Maybe he has a super immune system from his many years working the farm 
and hunting in the spine. I mean, even that has its limits. <laughs> With, <Yeah>. like, how, <laughs> like, beat up I'm imagining the inside of his thighs, I'm just like, Ugh. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. No. He needs some penicillin. <laughs> Maybe they have, like, you know, fantasy plants that just, yeah. like, slap some moldy bread on that man's thighs. Yeah. <laughs> Get it on there. <laughs> you just imagine putting two pieces of bread between his legs and that's how he's walking around. <laughs> That'll fix you right up. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Awful. I hate it. Yeah, it's the worst. My thighs literally have chills just like thinking about <laughs> this and talking about it. Like, it is just such a nightmarish thing to think about. Yeah. I've only gotten, like, leg chafing to, like, the average amount, because usually I stop it before it can get really bad. So it's just, like, the the thought of it, I just, this poor dude. Yeah. Honestly. It's truly one of the most gruesome things we've discussed on this podcast. Yeah. Parasites accepted. Yeah. Parasites are, you know, just nature doing its thing. <laughs> Sophie, uh... you had a parasite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is how I deal with my trauma. <laughs> so cool with having so that parasite cool. up in there. It was great. Ugh. Speaking of horrible microbes, uh, oh, I no. I, I just no, it just mentioned that um, Garo smells like rotting fruit. <laughs> okay. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just did just a real quick dive into why does rotting fruit smell the way it does so rotting fruit smell is like a byproduct of mold or bacteria like breaking down the food Okay, but there's like a theory out there that it is also like a chemical signaling to keep <laughs> us off of food that the microbe wants to eat oh, <laughs> like to deter other animals <laughs> Which cool. I just thought was fun. So whatever's feasting upon Garo is like real territorial about it. Yeah, is like a microbe. Like I don't, I don't know why he smells like rotting fruit. That is weird. Like, yeah, I didn't catch that somehow, but yeah, like it, it implies that like his burns or whatever aren't right. Like the implication is that the burns are some weird magic thing, right? Yeah, because they but... won't heal. Yeah, so I'm wondering if, like, the rotting fruit smell is going to come up again as, like, any time the shade does magic mm. on someone, if it leaves behind maybe, like, a smell. Oh, maybe. That would be interesting. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we find out more about that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Anyway, that was my brief aside. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything else to say about this one. That's no. fine. Um, I did. I did have one question. <laughs> oh no. About Aragon's chafed legs. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like How do I put this delicately? There's like more than just leg skin down there. Mm. Oh. <laughs> like, like like what? <laughs> what's the sitch down there? Yeah, what's the sitch? We can only assume that it's hurt. Yeah. Since you guys wanted to talk about Edward's <laughs> 
all the time. I assumed you wanted to talk about it here too. Okay, Edward is a hundred and whatever years yeah. old. Aragorn is fifteen. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. A little yeah. less comfortable talking about. Yeah. I'm not comfortable. I'm not cozy right now. My other, uh, my other pitch is that maybe. Uh-huh. We have a trans protagonist on our hands, and we're just all gonna have a great time with it. Oh, I mean, but they would still it would hurt. Still like it would still hurt. There. I feel have like you it ever would gone be... for a run wearing a pad? Because that, oh it's my god, awful. why would you do that? <laughs> why because... would you do that to yourself? I am like on board with trans Aragon. Yeah, we'll just say that's our theory, our working theory for right now. <laughs> yep. Cool. I just feel like when you're like chafed to hell on your um thighs can we stop talking about this maybe we can talk about what happens next time sophie please sure okay great please take me away from this let's talk about what's gonna happen next the next two chapters are the madness of life and a rider's blade oh wow Uh uh-huh okay he's gonna get some sort of sword in the rider's blade and yeah, the, the madness of life. Garrow is either gonna like pull a miraculous recovery, or he's gonna die. Yeah, yeah. and Aragon's gonna have survival guilt, and that's the madness of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's my guess, based yeah. off like kind of how these chapter titles and <laughs> has been going so far. Yeah, they're very dramatic, as we have expected. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about how Aragon ends another chapter in this segment unconscious, but don't worry. <laughs> I mentioned it just now. He passes out at the end of the Doom that's of That's how you know, yeah, that's how you know the chapter's over. Yeah. Aragon goes to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if passing out counts as falling asleep, but he does wake up at the beginning of the next chapter, so I'm counting it. Oh, I think, no, I think it says he went to sleep. No, he, he passed out on the road when Brom found him. Oh, but the next chapter he falls asleep. Right. So he passes out in the the first chapter, but then falls asleep in the second <laughs> chapter. So don't worry. Because <laughs> every chapter has to end in some sort of sleepy consciousness. Mm-hmm. Wow, I said unconsciousness weird. Unconsciousness. Okay. <laughs> Man, it's way easier to guess what's going to happen next in this book. It really yep. is. Sam, having never read it, she can usually pull yeah. off a good guess. Hells yeah! <laughs> I feel like the fact that the chapters are so short that you know only one thing is going to happen in them makes it yeah. a lot yeah. easier. Yeah. yeah. Which, I don't mind. I like, like short chapters. Like, spoilers, the next chapter is one page. <laughs> oh, is <laughs> it really? Yeah. Hells yes. <laughs> okay, so Garrow's gonna die, and that's- Yeah, and that's it. That, that's that's the definitely chapter. the madness of life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We predicted it. But yeah, anyway, uh, let's talk about what other stuff we're reading. I just started one last stop, finally, and I am very much enjoying it. It's good. (laughs) It's good. I like Casey McQuiston's work. They do a really good job. I know it's not for everybody, but I really like it. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. fair. It's pretty cute. It's pretty cute. That's all. It's the only thing I'm reading right now. Uh, what? Oh, I am currently reading the X Hex, which is a Halloween themed rom com that looks adorable. I'm only like two chapters in though, so don't don't ask me more. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then for audiobooks, because I sit in a microscope all day, I finished listening to How Harry Met Harry, which is an Audible original audiobook, a cute little rom-com. And now I'm listening to The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green, which is like 10 out of 10. I love John Green. He's great. Dang. Cool. Yeah, he narrates it himself. And like, I don't know if you, were you guys ever like John and Hank Green fans? No. No. Oh, fair. I was. I loved the (laughs) Vlogbrothers growing up. Anyways, it's just like nice to listen to John Green narrate his book and it's a really good book. So yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I've heard good things about that one. It's basically like he's going through major events of the Anthropocene and how they relate to like his life. And then he gives them a star Mm. rating at the end of each chapter. (laughs) And then he goes into the fact that like star ratings were only created because computer algorithms couldn't manipulate any other type of data. Like they needed some sort of data to spit out information for capitalism, obviously. And that's where star reviews came from. Uh, Anyways, love that geeked out, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Stats. Sam's favorite. Stats. Yeah. So (laughs) Hannah, what about you? Yeah, I've been listening to Spin the Dawn by Elizabeth Lim, which is the most aggressively average YA fantasy you could imagine. (laughs) (laughs) It's wildly predictable and not very interesting to me personally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I'm going to finish it because I gotta. Yeah. Gotta. So, and you'll probably read I would the rest say, of the series too. <laughs> I, I don't know. Every time I start listening to it, I end up rolling my eyes. So I, uh. I might have to skip the rest of this one, but we'll see. <laughs> so yeah, if you're a grown up and that one's on your list, you could probably move it down and prioritize something else. Be my Great. recommendation. But in paper, I'm reading Under the Whispering Door finally by yeah. TJ Klune. <gasps> yeah. Which is delightful. I very much like TJ Klune. So far, it is like very consistent with the style he established in The House in the Cerulean Sea. So Aww. if you like that one, I feel like you're probably going to like this one too. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. It's going to be good. And then I think, listen, we're recording a bunch of episodes at once. I think this mm-hmm. one's coming out in November, which mm-hmm. means at some point around the release date of this episode, we will all be reading our Midlight Book Club book of the month, which is Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which I am stoked about because I loved The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and I loved Malibu Rising. And I think this is set in the same kind of reverse. So it's good Hell to yeah. Good. Yeah. So with all that said, if you liked this chapter of Midlight Crisis, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. You can talk to us and find fun related content on social media. We are at Midlight Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and all chapters of the show thus far are available on our website, midlightpod.podbean.com, and on YouTube. And, like us deciding to carry on a podcast when we're all out on fieldwork for months at a time, (laughs) into foolishness we fly! (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Too accurate. (laughs) Too accurate.